This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Juan, what's up? Going on, brother. Hey, man, chilling, chilling, I'm, chilling. First time on, I'm just trying to navigate it. Hey, it's all good. Uh, it's pretty seamless, uh, user-friendly. It's a pretty dope app, honestly. Okay. So you can come in, kick it, um, talk with me, talk with whoever else is on. Uh, usually the chat uh, is usually uh, – talking amongst each other or asking me or others questions. So uh, it's kind of up to you how you want to be a part of the, the uh, room. So, okay. I'm no pressure at all. All right, man. All right. Per usual, man, we're going to wait here for, uh, wait a little bit for people to come in and then we'll kind of just uh, go from there. So we're going to, First, we're going to go over the uh, we're going to go over the the schedule that uh, that I was looking at, kind of what you know, like what's possible, uh, what they could possibly do, and um, they could probably get to eighteen. 18 or 19 games, 18 or 19 games. The only one that I'm really kind of up in the air on is probably, it's probably Penn state. It's probably Penn state. Uh, If they can, if, if they can find a way to get that Wisconsin game played, um, that will get Michigan to 19. In my opinion, if they can play that Wisconsin game, uh, that I believe is on the. Do y'all know when they when they uh, play Wisconsin? Let me know because I didn't uh, I didn't do this with uh, the thought that that they would play them, but playing that game uh, will will be will be huge. Will be huge. Yo, and the app got gifts now, so like y'all, <laughs> so you can really uh, just uh, go nuts in here. Honestly, <laughs> uh, let's see. Nobody got an answer. Wisconsin's on the fourteenth. Okay, so Wisconsin is on the fourteenth. Um, that would help things out to get them to nineteen. But right now, um, I got them playing. Uh, about 18 games. I got them playing 18 games. This is based on what other team schedules looks like. It's not all about Michigan schedule and just shove teams. I mean, like they have games too. So you kind of got to go like schedule by schedule and see what makes the most sense. Uh, Penn State and Northwestern, uh, both of them kind of clashed uh, between – the Ohio State and Indiana game. Um, that's where they kind of. That's where they kind of clashed. If one of those games was at home, um, possibly we could have shoved two games within Ohio State and and uh, Indiana. But I don't think it would be best if they go four straight away games. Um, but I do them having go. I do have them going three straight away. So if you're looking at, if you're looking at it in a way, if they play this Wisconsin game, <coughs> you're looking at on the 14th. You have Wisconsin. 
Then Thursday, the 18th, you have Rutgers, right? And then what makes the, the most sense to me is you – they could play either Penn State or Northwestern uh, on Wednesday, February the 24th, and that'll be a road game. That'll be a road game. That also gives them three days. Um, it won't be like a Michigan State deal where they had, where they had like a, an away game, one day rest, away game. This gives them three days in between. So February twenty first at Ohio State, February twenty fourth at Northwestern or at Penn State. Um, then you have. February 27th, which will be at Indiana, right? So boom, boom, boom. This is where it's going to get kind of silly because we saw something very similar with Wisconsin and, and Penn State uh, within the, the last week where Wisconsin goes to Penn State, right? Then they play Penn State two days later or three days later in Madison, pretty much back-to-back games against them. Um, which is not ideal, but if if you want to get games in, that that makes the most sense. So Saturday, February twenty seventh, they go to Indiana, and then on Tuesday, two days later, um, they'll be playing Indiana at home. Uh, I just saw it happen with Penn State, Wisconsin. I think it can happen here too. Um, and then you have two days later, you have Iowa at home as well, which helps. So you go three straight away games, then you go back to back home. I like that. Um, so you have Tuesday against Indiana, March 2nd, one day of rest, Thursday, March 4th versus Iowa. And then you're going to have three days until you go to MSU, which is not that bad because it's right down the road. You don't have to get on a plane, nothing crazy like that. Um, this is what well, this is the interesting part, okay? <clears throat> so Tuesday, on Tuesday, March 9th, or Wednesday, March 10th. So the Big Ten tournament starts goes from March 10th to March 14th, right? So if they play that Wisconsin game on the 14th, then they'll be clear to play Illinois. Um March 9th or March 10th and just make that March 10th game since I believe that's their only game against Illinois. You can make that a neutral game and just be part of the schedule on March 10th right there in Indianapolis. And I, I like Illinois in this space because of the fact that both Illinois should finish in the top four, right? If Illinois finishes in the top four, neither Michigan or Wisconsin will play till I believe the 12th or the 13th, the 12th, neither team plays until the 12th. So playing on the 10th is really not a big deal. You play on the ninth, probably more ideal, especially if they still want to make that a neutral at Indy. Uh, I'm not sure what the Pacers are doing. Uh, I should have checked on that first. Um, or, you know, uh, I believe that is a host game where they could host them on Tuesday, March the 9th. Um, and then, like I said, I wouldn't put them there. Like, I'm not going to put a Penn State there um, or a Northwestern there knowing that they're going to probably be playing on day one or day two of the Big Ten tournament. But Illinois, they should get a, they should get a two-day bye. Uh, to be able to play them on March 9th, possibly March 10th if they sh- if they stretch that out. So you're looking at Michigan going from, um, you know, three straight away games, and then they go home, home at MSU, which is not home, but you don't have to, to get on a plane. Uh, then on that Tuesday, you're home again against Illinois. Um, and then you have the Big Ten Tournament, uh, which they should get a couple of buys. Uh, and that's all based on how they do over the course of the next several games, of course. So that part is in limbo, and that's probably something that they would pro- that they would figure out the first week of March and not right away in February um, because we don't know where team placements are. But once things are getting more solidified, 
you could definitely move that Illinois game there. Um, also, if we happen to not play that Wisconsin game on the 14th, I did put an asterisk here. You have Illinois or at Wisconsin. Um, March 9th is probably going to be solid there because they would have to travel to Madison and March 9th is probably the best. And Michigan hasn't had to really travel since February 27th. So let me know if I'm, let me know if I'm crazy or not there. Cause I think that makes the, makes, makes the most sense to me um, from that standpoint. I'm going to check Wisconsin's schedule and uh, re recheck something right quick. I want to see when they play. They play March 7th. They play at Iowa on March 7th. At Iowa, March 7th. So them coming home for a home game two two days later isn't that bad either. Isn't is not that bad. Is not that bad. And they'll be coming off of two back to back away games, um, which they'll have a five day lag in between. So so that's not bad for uh Wisconsin. So I I could see them getting they can get 19 games as long as they play that Wisconsin game. Uh 18 games um if they if that Wisconsin game on the 14th does not get played, then on the March, then on probably Tuesday, March 9th, uh you can either host Illinois or go to Wisconsin. I don't think you can get both games in. Uh, based on how their their uh, schedules match up. So, uh, there's a there are a lot of factors involved here when it comes to. When it comes to opting out, I don't, that's just, I mean, you know, that's something that you would do if you were managing like a video game, but these kids want to play, man. These kids want to play. These coaches want to play and, you know, coach. I just think if you opt out, uh, the optics aren't great. You know, even if it's the right decision, you believe, like, they're just not great. Seriously, it's just not great. I mean, like, you're going to go, especially if you're in the Big Ten, you're going to go to Indianapolis. You're, you're going to be in your own bubble. You're, you're going to be in your own bubble. And I have not heard one story of a contact trace that, a guy got COVID from another player that had COVID. Like, I haven't heard that. If that's been a rampant issue, hey, I hey, if you want to go that route, go that route. If you want to opt out, opt out. From there, I don't mind. But I haven't seen one story about one team playing another team, and that's how they got it via contact tracing. Like, has there been a story of a team playing with a player who had who had COVID? I haven't heard anything like that. What it sounds like is a, is a bunch of dudes ducking. Roy Williams had a had a great quote about that. Let me see, let me see what he said. But he had a. Uh, he had a really good uh he had a really good quote the other day he said that teams opting out of the ACC tournament quit and he wants an all or nothing ruling on the ACC tournament everybody or nobody and that's how i feel it should be in the big 10 like you know you have what 14 teams if only eight show up like 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 and those eight are going to be teams that are bubble or lower. 
you know, maybe a couple of the top seeds. But the only reason you opt out is because you already know that you are a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. And you don't want to do anything to really jeopardize it. And then on top of that, you're pretty much showing that the Big Ten tournament championship really doesn't mean much to you to begin with. But it's really it's really interesting when it comes down to the scheduling. It's really interesting when it comes down to it. It is a bit jam-packed. It is a bit jam-packed, and it doesn't really um, help a team like Michigan who only plays about seven guys. Like, they only play seven guys, really. Well, now that Custard's back, it's like seven and a half. But they don't have a really deep rotation. So I think you're going to have to start seeing, you know, more like nine guys in the rotation and not just seven especially if the schedule is going to get staggered like this, where you're playing literally every three days. If you're playing every two to three days, you're going to have to keep guys fresh, or by the time the NCAA tournament starts, you're going to be completely burnt out. Completely burnt out. I say seven and a half because – um, that's not a slight on Custard, but he plays, but he's not coming back playing 25 minutes. He's coming back playing 10, 12, 13 minutes, right? So, like, that's like the half I'm talking about. Interesting stuff, though, with, with the, um, with how the rest of this how the rest of this season is going to going to play out and i i find it am, really amusing that if either penn state or northwestern was at home i think they could have jammed a couple more games between uh the the 21st and the 27th but northwestern mate that's just that's just chicago you know that's just chicago so they could go Honestly, honestly, because because they could go. If that's just Chicago, if that's just Chicago, they probably could go. Would you go to Northwestern after Columbus or would you go out to Happy Valley? I, you would probably go out to Happy Valley, right? Go out to Happy Valley and then go Chicago, Bloomington. I don't know. That's like a logistics question. Do you see a scenario where Michigan could lose the Big Ten based on not playing in enough games? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think playing 18 or 19 games is plenty to determine if you're a champion or not. I think that's plenty. You play 18 games and go 16 and 2, I mean, come on. You kind of said your piece there. But with the schedule, I think there's going to be a little bit more, more losses than that. So, you know, if you go 14 and four and you have the higher winning percentage and all that fun stuff, you know, you win the league. And there shouldn't be an asterisk next to it either. Just like how I don't feel there's an asterisk next to Ohio State football winning the Big Ten. They were clearly the best team in the league. And it's because they didn't lose. And what they they play what five or six games out of the possible what was it eight nine ten eight or nine ten I don't know something like that so yeah you play eighteen games you are you're fine 
Now, if now if the season stopped right now, you know, even though Michigan is eight and one, right? Or were they eight and one in, in conference? I mean, now it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah, we have a two-game lead on one other team, and I believe that's Iowa. I believe that's Iowa. I think everybody else has four losses. I think Illinois has four. Do they have four? I was just looking at this earlier today. There's like one or two teams with three losses in the league. Only only one game lead. <laughs> I I could have swore they have they're like seven and three. Aren't they like seven and three or something? Illinois is eight and three. Illinois is eight and three. Iowa is seven and three. So two games. Two teams have three losses um, that are sitting there at second and third. Wisconsin sitting at fifth technically right now. So, like, that's what, what I'm saying. So, the closer we get to, like, the beginning of March, um, we'll be able to see if they can squeeze Illinois or Wisconsin in there. Which would be interesting because then, you know, they'll have to change seating around and all that fun stuff. You know, a win or loss can have you playing against Ohio State or they'll have you playing against, you know, have you on the different side of the bracket. Who knows? Yeah, I do think that, you know, Michigan's in a good spot as long as they're able to um, come back the same way as they left. You know, that's a big question mark. It's a big question mark. Not playing for two to three weeks at a, at a, at a high level um, is definitely, is definitely, um, you know, from a fan standpoint, something to, you know, think about and be concerned about. But the biggest thing coming off of this thing is just making sure guys are up to speed, ready to go, uh, back to just, you know, just getting back back in the game shape. Um, and then comes the chemistry and all that stuff. But they're going to have some wobbly legs. Their, their lungs are, their lungs are going to be burning. They're going to be a little bit rusty. Um, but what helps them out, in my opinion, is the fact that, uh, you know, they're one of the better defensive teams in the country. And usually defense, you don't really, really lose sight of. Offensively, I mean, you know, putting the ball in the cup, you know, it, the ball could feel a little bit funny at times. But but defensively, just like people say, like, defense, defense travels. Defense travels. And that's something that kind of sticks because it's it's so natural. But when you're dealing with like your actual skill, being able to like handle the ball, you know, being able to transfer the ball from your dribble to a pass or from a dribble up into your shot, you know, things can get a little bit wonky with your, you know, balance and all that. Who do I who do I like in the Big Ten tournament? I don't know what the layout is yet. Some matchups are better than others. I feel like I say that a lot. Um, all right, let's talk about signing day. We're not going to be on here all night. Um, we'll be on here for another maybe 25 minutes or so. Um, and this is an interactive app. You know, come in. Let's talk, you know, 
whether it's concerns, whether you're happy about something, how you're feeling. So whether you you want to talk to talk in you know chat or whether you want to come up and you know you know talk to me or others on the panel, that's totally up to you. Totally up to you. I'll get the alert. I'll invite you up, and you know we'll talk. Usually with basketball, I'm like the only one kind of you know talking and all that stuff. But when it comes to like football, I am I'm not the same as in basketball where. I'm kind of arrogant because I think I know everything. Cause, <laughs> but when it comes to football, I mean, I I am more of a listener, and uh, I give my I give my two cents on you know you know the dynamics of the team and all that stuff. But when it comes down to like X's and O's and we're really breaking down stuff, that's not really my forte. So I always like to invite people up. So National Signing Day was interesting today. You guys heard or been hearing murmurs for a while that uh, that Rayshon Benny may be flipping, and that was made official. That was made official this morning, um, and then they also flipped another guy, a DT. I believe he was at Colorado. Um, He's not he's not like highly ranked, but but someone said that he did like the triple jump at his school. At his size, that's that's kinda it's kinda that's kinda nuts. It's like six four, like two eighty doing a triple jump. Good lord. Um and then Michigan State lost out on Ray Sean Benny. Uh but they did sign Keon Coleman out of out of nowhere. Uh, Keon Coleman is, I believe he's the 12th highest three-star. Uh, he's ranked in the top 400 on 247. Um, a dual sport guy, a dual sport. So I won't be surprised if he ends up playing uh, both football and basketball at Michigan State. Um, and then as of like late last night, like crystal balls were coming in for for Tulane for him. And I'm pretty sure that was like a 100% all in basketball, football package deal. Um, and they also had him going to Kansas. One guy had him going to Oklahoma. Uh, nobody had this dude going to Michigan State. Nobody. Uh, and then they pulled that one today. So that was huge. Um, I believe Tucker. I believe Tucker said he said that when Coleman committed, I believe he committed to Kansas. I believe he committed to Kansas sometime last year. And one thing about football is different than basketball. When it comes to football, like whether you commit, like, you know, coaches don't stop recruiting you. They're still all over you. So that's got to be tough from, the standpoint of even if you get a commit like that in football, like that really doesn't mean anything. You see some decommits in basketball, but that's more so, you know, you're going to decommit from this school just to see who else wants you. In football, if you decommit, it's usually because another school pried you away from them. But it really feels like, but Tucker, um, I believe he asked Coleman, he was like, hey, I want to keep recruiting you as long as you allow me to. Which I don't see many, uh, I don't think many coaches do that. I think they just keep going until a player says, hey, <laughs> piss off, please. There's one Izzo apparently played a key role in that recruit. I believe it. Um, I believe it. I'm going to do a breakdown on him. Uh, I'm going to do a breakdown on him soon. Because uh, he's a really, he's really impressive. He's very impressive. Um, just very, ex just, just like a, just like an explosive player. Very explosive player. Um, 
on the court. And usually that translates to football because especially at wide receiver, you have to know how to, you know, high point balls and you have to know how to, you know, understand like your whole depth perception and all that. And that's basketball right there. Kashani Brown play. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. But it's um it's interesting. And I remember like several months ago, several months ago, the uh Michigan got a got a pretty good got a pretty good football recruit. And and honestly, like I didn't really I didn't really care because it wasn't a defensive tackle. And now we pulled in like two or three. And but now it's like, okay, what are you gonna do with them? You know what I mean? Like, what are you gonna do with them? Like, are you going to you said Ronnie Bell? Yeah, Ronnie Bell for sure. But this dude is like, he's like, he's like the size of like Nico Collins, though. He's like Nico Collins, and he's and he's got bounce. This this dude's a freak. This this dude's a freak. Yeah, but like you have like three DTs coming in, and you know that part is cool and all that, and basically the staff was was kind of gutted and replaced with a bunch of younger guys, which is, you know, cool and all, but, you know, you just want to see the preparation. You know what I mean? You want to see the development. You know, you don't just want to, you know, collect a bunch of talent and just kind of just, you know, go through the motions like, Turn these guys into like dudes, you know. You know, turn them into turn them into, you know. Turn them into, turn them into guys who understand, you know, what it takes to win a to win a championship. I'm kind of over this whole signing day. Hoopla. I mean, it's cool to just, you know, be a, you know, just to like, hey, you know, hey, we, we got this guy. Da, 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 da. But, you know, me enjoying Michigan football, like it's, it's like, it's bittersweet. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in like a negative way. It's just that, you know, you want, you want so much for Michigan football. Like you want so much for them and you want them to play at a certain level where you see other teams who aren't even half as talented obtaining goals that Michigan can only dream about. And so getting talent's cool. That's super dope. But from there, like, well, what are we doing? What's up, Ben? What's up, Ant? Um, What's up, man? It's just, I hear what you're saying, man. And I was just thinking back, like, didn't Michigan, like, a couple of years ago, get get guys like in Chris Hinton and, and Maz, um, I forget his name. Like, he's such a non-factor. I can't barely remember his name now. It's like Maz. What's Maz Hinton? Maisie Smith. Maisie Smith, dude. Like, yeah. Like, didn't they get got, like those guys were higher ranked than like Benny and Rooks? And you know, we'll see what what happens in the next couple of years. But like, I think it's fair to say that those guys have not really turned out to what a lot of people have been expecting when they first came on campus. I mean, that's why it's just hard for me to like, you know, obviously the, the, those were good gets um, to get Benny and Rooks, but. I just can't really like, you know, can't really see it. Um, hopefully, hopefully they don't have to talk about Harbaugh holding back Nua is true, but I mean, Nua is the guy that's still, you know, the still the defensive uh, defensive line coach. So I mean, you can't really like get 
Like, I don't know what's going to change in terms of development. What's up, Lee? Hey, and uh, no, I just wanted to, uh, like, chime in on that conversation right there. Uh, when it comes to uh, defensive linemen, especially defensive tackles, uh, when you, when people say Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton uh, have not worked out, it's kind of unfair because it takes those guys two, three years just to actually get on the field. Uh, so that's a position where you will start seeing you'll start seeing the benefits of them this upcoming year and the next year. So they're they're still to be determined how good they're going to be. So you just want to get as many of those guys, like big beefy guys, in the middle as you can, and then you'll let the cards play the way they may. The problem with Don Brown was he he was just not like prioritizing that. He was he he was literally like thinking he could just put. 250 pound guys there and just let's see what happens so this is actually a really positive change that's happening here and now you're starting to see sean Noah being able to recruit the people that he wants to recruit and now they've actually prioritized the middle of that defense so i'm, I'm very excited to see what happens here and uh, getting benny and these guys is a big deal but you gotta you gotta wait two three years until they're actually impact players on the field. It took more Mo Hurst three years to get on the field. You know what I mean? I'm with you there. I'm with you there, 1,000%, man. Um, seeing Glasgow on the goal was, line versus nasty. Wisconsin, I get, like, PTSD from that. I still remember that. I'm still shaking till this day. <laughs> there were, what, on, like, the, what, the one or two-yard line? Yeah, yeah. And my man is like 220 pounds. <laughs> like, no, what are we I'm, doing? I'm like, I seen that, and I'm like, did did Ryan Glasgow come back and gain eligibility? No, that can't be the Glasgow that I'm thinking of. Like, I was like, this is this is wild. But I don't know what happened to Don Brown, but he just he he changed. Like, he didn't even speak to the media this whole last year. So something was going down. And, like, I think it'll be, like, something we find out about, like, a year from now or something like that. So I'm just glad that they made these changes. And one thing I'll give Harbaugh credit for is, like, even though, like, it, it hasn't worked out the way we want it to work out, he's not afraid to make changes. Like, he sees something's not working, and he pivots from that. So that's the only reason why we should have some hope now. Yeah, he's not fully stuck in his ways, which – um, which is actually a huge positive, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's right. If you see a coach that's that's overly loyal to his to his staff, you just you're just going to deteriorate the program year after year after year. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I think happened with Mark D'Antonio. I mean, like he had, you know, he was very loyal to. To very, what's the word? To he was very loyal to important position coaches who weren't doing what they were supposed to do, and I, I think it came down to like, look, if they go, I go, type of deal. And he was overly yeah. loyal, and that's why I think the last three to four years, um, that like they like slowly, you know, started yeah. to just get worse and worse yeah. and worse. And that can happen. Go, at he was going to go down with his guys. He was going to go down yeah. with his guys. Yeah. And, and Lee, that. Lee, I get what you're saying about defensive tackles at Michigan. Usually, how it takes, you know, sometimes year three or even year year four for that guy to pop off. My only counter argument with that to that would be in 2016 and 17, Michigan really had good depth inside. Um, in these past couple of years, like a lot of people thought when, when the Mozzie Smith and Hinton were coming in, they were going to make, you know, great impacts in year two because Michigan really didn't have that much depth. Um, and the entire defensive line, specifically in that D tackle spot. I just yeah. think that a lot of people were hoping, especially the coaches that they, that at least one of those guys can maybe take the starting job from either uh, Jeter or um, Kemp. And I, I just, I just think it's not fair to compare, you know, those two guys to guys in the past because Michigan's depth is nowhere near where it was in, in 2016. 
that's why that's why it's good that they got these three guys now, these three four guys now. But another problem was Don Brown and the alignments that he was playing. He was playing like three down linemen with like unbalanced lines, and then like teams like Wisconsin and Ohio State would just run like through gaping holes, and this guy would never adjust. And I would be like yelling at my TV, and I'm like, "What is this guy doing? Like, put bigger guys in there. Like, he would put like a linebacker." Right behind, right beside one of the DTs, and like just have one defensive tackle. He doesn't trust him, and I'm like, "What is this guy doing?" Yeah, I don't think he trust. I don't think he trusts his down lineman. I think that's why. No, but you, 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 these guys are not gonna like Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton are not gonna develop if you don't trust them and, I, I agree. and put them out there. I, I, I think, I think he's, I think he, he doesn't think of it like that. I think he just thinks that, like you know, at the time, I think got in maybe in 2017, or I mean, sorry. Um, 2019. I mean, like he he liked Glasgow and putting him down because he thought you know that team probably had more speed than they did size, and he probably thought you know that's who we're gonna roll with. And you're probably right; they probably should have just should have just yeah. thrown. Like who's to who's to say that these guys get on the field uh, next year and they're actually way better than what we did last year? Who knows? Nobody knows. That that's my problem with Michigan is that. There are so many players on this roster. We don't know how good they are because they're not getting properly developed. They're not being put in the right position. Like, for once, I just want to see people be put in the right positions and developed properly. Because who knows? Some of these guys might be better than than what we've seen so far, right? Hundred percent. I yeah. I, I I think it's always been an issue. I've been saying for this past couple of years, Harbaugh. It's specifically, I don't know if that's a Don Brown decision, but they tend to always play the upperclassmen, regardless of um, how good he is, for maybe an exception yeah. of someone like Dax Hill. Yeah, that's true. But Dax was a dog. Like, like yeah, they he, had he the had exception. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they had yeah, to play him. exactly. And that was part of him coming back to the, the recruiting class, too. Like, I believe they, they told him, like, you come here, you're going to be on the field, like, right away. And then they didn't even put him on the field right away. Took them, like, three-fourths of the season. Like, it, they wasted all that time when they could have just put him out there from day one. Like, they they played around with him, too. They didn't even have a safeties coach this year. Shoop was out yeah. there pretty much. Yeah, so, like, there's a there, – there, another thing that bothers me is just it seems like there's a lot of, like, like it's not nothing is organized, you know. Like it's just like there's no like plan. They go back and forth from one thing to the other. They should just play the the best players. I don't care if it's year one or year four. Just put them out there and and see what you have, you know. Like stop like trying to like play politics too much. They've got no. They, you're right. They've got no identity. And I remember Aunt. I remember you saying when they switched to Gaddis in 2019 that you were saying that maybe, like, the change to the spread isn't just the correct answer to everything like every like everybody wanted. I mean, in, in some aspects, and you got, like, good running backs, the power stuff works. At least you have an identity on offense, and you know what you're doing. I just don't think now, like, is it spread? Is it power? Like, nobody knows what the heck is going on, and you're probably better off just doing what you did from 2016 to 2018 where, you, where you're at least having an identity on offense. Those first two years, the run concepts that they had that he brought, like from when he had with the 49ers, like with all the wham blocks and all that, it was very effective. Like there was a lot of creative things going on. I don't know if that was Jet Fish or if that was Harbaugh, but like that was working. And then they just think, stopped doing yeah, it in 2017. Exactly. And I think a lot of it, what happened when Gaddis came in and the kind of zone scheme he was trying to run. I don't think those I don't think those offensive linemen as talented as they were. I don't think they were fit for that kind of for that kind of run scheme. I think they were better as what Harbaugh was doing in 2018 with like what you were saying with the with the O-line whams and just kind of like the trap blocking. I think that's what they did really well and I think some of those guys just weren't athletic enough to really run that kind of Gaddis run scheme. Yeah, but uh, even if you look at the numbers of NFL players from even from when Hulk first came in uh, 2011 to now, 
where I think Michigan's at top five in the country of players drafted. Like, there needs to be more production at Michigan than in the draft. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't add up with the amount of professionals that you're producing and what we're getting on Saturdays. So once that levels out and we get a little more balance of, like, we're getting, like, what we, we, we developed, but we're not getting it until they leave the school, like, then, then I think we'll be on the right path. Yeah, man. Hopefully, hopefully these uh, the new young coaches coming in um, definitely yeah. make an impact. I mean, I, f- I feel good about some of those, some of these hires, but I just like I think a lot of the coaches Michigan has had, even in the past, have been good coaches. I just think there's been kind of a disconnect between whoever's in charge and and those position coaches. I, I think like these some of these guys coming are like are they're NFL. They have great pedigree. I mean. But there just seems to be like an issue, and I think that issue. Uh, one of the mean, one of the big issues is this is how we do it at Michigan. That's a big issue too. that needs to die. Like, like enough of like we. This is how we've been doing. Nothing you've been doing it, it works to the amount that you want it to work. So, like, it's time to stop. Like, oh, this is how we do it at Michigan. No, like, have an open mind and like. There's too many people pulling different directions, like from the coaching staff to even like even on a deeper level, the athletic department. There's a lot of issues there as well. Plenty of issues. Don't even get me started. Yeah, because I know people who like work it there, and like they told, they've told me like there's like crazy issues that they can't even talk about. Man, you know, even something. I'm going to say small, but it's not small, but even something as little as admissions, like yes. why are we ha- like, like why does Michigan have so many issues with undergrads transferring in just because you don't want to take half of their credits? And, and like, it goes even deeper than that. There's some players that Michigan, like we're going to transfer to Michigan, but they didn't even want to go through that process like that because it's the most difficult process in like all of college football like they they have the worst admissions like out there it's it's crazy like the amount of things like the amount of players that it's cost them it's unbelievable i agree i agree yeah. and uh there's some there's some, is... there's some there's some players that that the that fans don't even know about that tried to come and that that yeah. were like didn't even go through you be like i'm talking about big names yeah I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. As good as, as good as a, of a student that Shea Patterson was, you know, I'm hearing that he's fighting for 17 credits. Yep. Like he's yep. still trying to get uh, credits from Ole Miss transferred over. Like you know, yep. and they had a couple guys who wanted to come in too, but they just couldn't do it. Van Jefferson, who plays for the Rams yep. now. Uh, yep. Also, Lance Dixon is trying to come. But he's like, it's not a guarantee because of admissions. Well, the same thing happened with Nojel Eastern. I mean, he was a smart kid at Purdue. Yeah, he needed like, he needed like twenty, he needed like twenty something credits by fall semester to become to be eligible. Like what? That's insane. That's insane. I mean, normally like, like you take college, it's like. 14 to like 16 credits and 16 credits is like somewhat high actually. Jesus. That's wild. He needed that over the summer. Like what? That's crazy. Like, like for example, like uh, I've wanted, like I want Jawan to like take like one transfer a year just for, to always have a somewhat experienced team. Right. But I don't think that that's possible because these guys are going to make it so tough on him moving forward. Like, how long was Shondi Brown waiting for? Like, what? Yeah, Shondi was, was tough. The fact that, you know, you know, like someone like, you know, Charles Matthews coming in, he came in via undergrad, but the fact that he only had one semester, he had, what, two semesters at Kentucky, I think yeah. that helped. Because if yep. you try to come in after your sophomore or junior year, you're dealing with more credits, you're dealing with more secondary classes, and that's yeah. when things get a little bit fishy. No, for sure, for sure. Like, uh, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Like, I'm sure all the coaches are frustrated, like, with all that stuff. 
And it's not like we're sitting here like, it's like, yeah, Michigan is awesome and we have to have guys with good grades. Like, that's not what we're saying at all whatsoever. No, not at all. You need to understand that when someone from high school comes in, it's it's not it's not that tough. But you choose to go somewhere else and you try to get your undergrad to come to Michigan, it's something else. But if you graduate from that school and try to come to Michigan, now you're back to the acceptance of, like, you are a high schooler coming in. For sure, for sure. You know and I mean? the but it's is, those three or four years. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is, like, with Michigan, right, like, you, you have, like, so much stuff going on, like, that it's just, like, it's like you're being attacked from all different corners. Like, you have to deal with admissions. You have to deal with the population of your state just dwindling and, like, it's not as talent-rich as it was before. Like, so you have so many, like, disadvantages, but it's confusing. You have advantages because you have all these resources, but then you have, like, these little disadvantages that just keep pulling you down. I agree 1,000%. And then that's kind of where Michigan has to – Michigan has to just get to the point where they're just, where they're just, you need to like take the cards that you're dealt and make the best of it. Yeah. And they're not aggressive at all. They're, they're very conservative. They like for them to maximize their potential as a program, both like uh, in football, especially they have to like play right in between the lines, right at the edge of the line. And they have to just be super aggressive because you know these other schools are are playing above the line. So you have to get on that line and just stay aggressive. But they're they're not doing that because they're not in unison. They're not one. Like there's all different types of factions and stuff going on that people can't really talk about. Also, Harbaugh deals like with Michigan like it's an NFL team where he doesn't talk about anything. Like you never know about injuries. You never know about anything that's going on. So then when it comes out that there's like four or five players with broken bones, and like that's the reason why they lost. It's like okay, now you're using it as an excuse. Like it's so there's no transparency. I'm with you there. Yeah. I am with you there. Uh, all right, we are. We're actually almost at eight o'clock. We're here. right at the time that you wanted. Yep. Yeah, right at eight o'clock. I don't have to say Eastern because Eastern is king. So that's right. Eight o'clock, <laughs> eight o'clock, man. So I appreciate you guys coming in. If anything happens uh, throughout throughout the week, I will most definitely, I'll most definitely hold another locker room. Uh, until then, I'll see you guys when I see. You. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.